Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. All right, come on, let's stand up. Turn to the Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Um, as you know, we are in this sermon series called Lord Teach us to pray I don't know about you but I want Jesus to personally mentor me in the ministry of prayer anybody else in the room I mean this has hit my heart you guys very heavily over the past couple of weeks and in prayer this is what I've been doing you may think I'm weird but in prayer here's what I've been doing I've been saying Jesus let me get close to you And let me listen to the communion you have with our Heavenly Father because I know that I'm going to get so hungry. I'm going to get so stirred up for prayer if I can listen to you pray because that's what happened here in Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Let's read it out loud all together. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now this is a This is an attribute of messianic ministry. This is what you do when you're called into ministry. You disciple people, but before you call them into your ministry, you must first call them into your intimacy. That's the best way of discipling people. You know, we just started LSM2, and for the first time, I got two interns. Are they in here? Where's Ronnie and Landon? They're in kids. See, that's what my interns do. They serve the kids, praise God, right? But you know what we did this morning? I said, hey, welcome to the internship. You know, meet at the office, 645. We're just praying together. We're just praying together. I think the best thing I could do for you is just, you just sit in the room and listen to me pray. (laughs) You're gonna pray too, but you know, before I can bring you into ministry, I gotta bring you into my intimacy. And that's what's happening here is that they were listening to Jesus pray. And as they watched him have communion with the Father, they said, that's different. You know God in a different way. I want to know God like you know God. Nobody knows God like Jesus. And so here's how you grow in your hunger for prayer. By listening to Jesus pray and listening to Jesus teach on prayer. If you listen to Jesus teach on prayer, I mean, I double dog dare you to get some homework this week and say, I'm gonna look up every single scripture where Jesus teaches on prayer. Tell me that you are not more hungry to pray after that. It'll happen. It'll happen. Okay, Matthew 6, are you there? Nobody's there, okay. Matthew 6, are you there? Okay, let's start with verse nine. Read it out loud all together. It says, pray then like this. So you have to remember, this is Jesus's response to the disciples asking him to teach them to pray. Our in hallowed be your name. What does that mean? That is a petition. It's a prayer request. It is more than simply saying God's name is holy. It is saying, God, I put in my prayer request that you would make your name holy in my world. I want people to think twice before they take the name of the Lord in vain around me. Because the name of the Lord in my atmosphere is holy. Right? Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That means our dad is a king. We don't got just some regular dad. 
No, 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 no. Our dad is a king and he is the king of kings and his kingdom is the king's domain where he has all authority and his perfect will is accomplished all the time. But we live here on the earth where his perfect will is not always accomplished. So by praying this prayer request, we are saying, God, I am inviting your perfect will to be made manifest in my life and in my world. And that's why the Lord's prayer is a scary prayer. I mean, you got to be brave to pray the Lord's prayer. Because when you pray the Lord's prayer, you're not praying a formal prayer. You're not just saying grace over the food. You are saying, God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And I invite your lordship into my, into my life. And I subject myself. I bend the knee to your lordship. And I say, you have full authority in my life. When it comes time for you to speak, I don't get a vote. I just say, yes, I ain't arguing with you. You're a king. You release a royal decree. I say, yes, sir. So see, it's a dangerous prayer. You got to be careful praying the Lord's prayer. You got to be careful. Verse 11 says, give us when? This day. Our what? You see how he doubles down there? Give us our That means today. That means I need bread today. It's not enough that I ate last night. That was great. Junior and I ate at Virago. It was great. We had some yellowtail sushi, some jalapeno on top. It was fantastic. But I got hungry this morning. And I, I had a turkey bacon sandwich from Starbucks. Just because I ate last night does not mean that I'm not hungry today. And that's what Jesus is saying. Give us today our daily bread. It's not enough that I had an encounter two weeks ago. It's not enough that I had an encounter with Jesus in my youth group. I've got to have an encounter today. I'm hungry today. I'm starving and dependent today. I need you, Jesus, today. More than yesterday. Remember that old song? I wish I could sing it. How's it go, Brian? I need you, Lord, more than words can say. Woo-hoo-hoo! Man, some of them old songs. They just, I got, I got the glory goosebumps already. All right, get this, verse 12. And forgive us our, our what? Right, you're thinking right now, hold on, I got a credit card I need to pay. Not you, because your wife works for Dave Ramsey. So, yeah, I know you ain't got no credit card debt, but. But some of us, there she is. But some of us, we got some debts. And Jesus says, I want you to pray like this, and forgive us our, as we also have, hold on, wait, did he say will? As we will in the future. Do y'all see that? He says, as we forgiven our and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want to read verse 14 and 15 because it's so interesting to me that Jesus would conclude this teaching on prayer by doubling down on what we're going to study today. Verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Now, listen to this condition, verse 15, but if you don't, man, this is, 
It's a hard one, right? If you don't forgive others their debts, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your debts, your trespasses. That's tough, right? So the title of the message today is Nothing Owed. Nothing Owed. All right? Man, if, if you get this today, I'm going to be so excited for how you're going to walk out of this sanctuary. Nothing owed. Lord, we thank you for free forgiveness. It's free for us. We know it wasn't free for you, God. We thank you for the cross of Calvary. We thank you for your blood that was spilled. We thank you for your body that was broken. And we thank you for seven years in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor on your way to your seat. Say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I need you, Lord. <laughs> um, hey, you ever, you, ever pray, you ever pray for somebody, and as soon as you lay hands on them, you can just tell they're sensitive to the Spirit. Whoa. Like you didn't even really start praying yet. You just. You know what we call them? ETRs. You know what that means? easy to receive man he's easy to receive man she's an etr you just, bow, just i'm messing with you but you know i was thinking about that this week because i realized some sermons they're etrs you know they're polite they're friendly they're fun they're encouraging they're not challenging at all and this sermon is not one of those but if you've been coming to Legacy for seven years or seven weeks, you know there's not really a whole lot of ETRs that go down here because we like to open the scripture and declare the word of God. My pastor told me one time, he said, you don't need to offend anybody because the word of God is offensive enough. How many of you guys know that you don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads you? It calls out to the prophetic possibilities of your lifestyle when you read it. It changes the atmosphere of your world when you declare the word of God out loud because it calls us higher and it brings us into a new place. And I believe that that is what this word will do for all of us. We've all got to be hungry to do the work because I don't know if you've ever gone through the training program of forgiveness before, but forgiving people is hard work. Ask Jesus. Forgiving people is hard work, but this is something that Jesus instructs us to do every single day. Every single day. He said, if you want to learn how to pray, I want you to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. I had you guys repeat that on purpose. This day and daily bread because Jesus was adamant that we must be dependent upon him for bread every single day. Now, I want you to notice there's not a period. He doesn't like conclude the thought and then move on to forgiveness. He continues the sentence and he says, in the same way that you've got to be dependent upon me to feed you daily, you've got to be dependent upon me to forgive you daily. Because I don't know if you would agree or not, but I think that I know in my life, I need forgiveness more than I need food. I need forgiveness more than I need food. Just as I'm dependent upon God for my daily bread, I am dependent upon God for my daily forgiveness. 
Bread nourishes the body, but grace nourishes the soul and the spirit. We, we need grace more than we need bread. Without physical nourishment, what happens? We are physically finished, and soon enough, we're going to die. Without spiritual nourishment, grace, and forgiveness, we are already finished. We are already dead, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. So we require every single day spiritual nourishment, grace, and forgiveness that comes as we come before the Lord and we repent of our sins every single day. Day Now, I, I, I think that in a lot of Christian circles, we don't tend to hear messages that encourage us to repent every single day. But how silly would it be if someone said to you, you know what? I've become so mature that I rarely need to eat. You know what I mean? Like somebody said, I am so mature, I don't need to eat anymore. Because that's what it sounds like when somebody says, I have become so spiritually mature that I never need to repent. I don't need to ask God for forgiveness anymore. I understand that that may sound braggadocious. It may sound like a strength, but you know what? It's actually a weakness because it's void of dependency. You weren't saved in your own strength and you won't stay saved in your own strength. You must be fed by God on a daily basis as you must be forgiven by God on a daily basis. Now, I'm, I'm gonna dive deeper, so if your wheels are spinning right now, just bear with me, okay? Not coming to the table of the Lord to feast on his abundant grace only leads to spiritual malnourishment. Every day we need grace, every day, we need forgiveness just like we need food. And none of us ever, ever, ever outgrow our need for bread in the same way none of us outgrow our need for repentance. Some people say, oh, I'm so mature, I don't have to repent anymore. You know, you repenting less often is not evidence of your spiritual maturity. You repenting less often is not evidence of your spiritual maturity. The speed of your repentance is evidence of your spiritual maturity. Let me say it again. The speed of your repentance is evidence of your spiritual maturity. How long does it take for you to repent when you knowingly sin? So um, let, me, let me make the statement again. The speed of your repentance is evidence of your spiritual maturity. So how long does it take between when you knowingly sin and when you repent. Because the distance between those two points is a litmus test that reveals your spiritual maturity as well as your real connection to your heavenly father. So if you want a revelation of how spiritually healthy you are and how deeply connected you are to God, how much time comes to pass between when you knowingly sin and when you repent? Repenting less often is not evidence of spiritual maturity. Repenting quicker is. Repenting quicker is because you're discerning and aware of how you've grieved your father's heart. Therefore, you have a desire to go to his feet and say, I'm sorry. It's also evidence of your connection. I mean, think about it. It's the way it is in marriage, right? Like if I sin against my wife, like if I hurt her heart today, today, and she makes me aware of it, and I know it. I'm like, wow, I have knowingly sinned against my bride. 
And then whenever she tells me that, I say, but you know what? I did apologize to you like when we first met. So I don't really need to do that anymore, right? Like I'm, we're good. Like I did it once and for all. Like it's fine. You know, it's like early on, like when we first met, like when I first got saved, I repented once. I don't need to repent anymore. Like it's good, right? Like I said what I needed to say and we're good. We're moving forward. It's all good. What if I did that to her? How do you think that would go down for me? I can tell you how it would go down for me. It would not be good. I'd be sleeping on the couch. Wouldn't be no football this afternoon. Now, we know this is crazy to think about that because every time I sin against my bride and I know it, then I need to apologize to her. Why do I do that? Because I have a value for our connection and I don't want anything to come between us. I can't just outsource my repentance to something I said to her years ago. I've got to stay current in our relationship if I value our connection. If I value my connection with God, I will repent every single time anything comes between us. You with me? Christians never outgrow their need for repentance because we live our whole lives through forgiveness. The only reason that you're here today is because somebody forgave you. The only reason that you have new life is because somebody forgave you. It was not because you performed enough. It was not because you impressed God and then he determined that you were now qualified to receive his grace and forgiveness. It was not because you did anything. And I know some people would say, well, I repented, but you're not saved by works and repentance is a work. Well, I repented. Well, repentance does not qualify you for salvation, but it does prepare you to receive forgiveness. So it's not about any of your works. Repentance is about me coming before the Lord openly, honestly, vulnerably, and authentically saying, I am a sinner, and unless you give me daily bread, I am going to die. I am spiritually malnourished without you feeding me. I need you. I'm dependent upon you. Please help me. You know, you're supposed to live like that, right? Like that. We don't just get saved like that. We're supposed to live like that. But that's the problem I see with so many Christians. Like we get saved in a certain way and that we live in a completely different way. And I can tell you, I've counseled enough couples going through a divorce that that's exactly what happens in marriages that don't make it. He don't pursue me no more. She don't love me anymore. You, know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like, that's why in the book of Revelation, the angel says to the church, here's what I've got against you. Go back and do the things that you did at first. You want to know why your connection is suffering? Because you no longer date your wife. You see what I'm saying? And we do the exact same thing in the church. I apologized to you a long time ago. It's all good. You're fine, right? It's all good. You ever stop and say, how healthy is my marriage? How he I know I'm correlating that a lot, but how healthy are my relationships? How healthy is my connection to God? Well, what's between the two of you that you are aware of that you've yet to repent for? You with me? All right, I know I'm kind of like all over the place, but it's our seventh birthday party. We need to pray this every day. Forgive me, forgive me, for, forgive me. Why is that? Because you don't repent just whenever you feel like you need to. You repent because God requires you to. Uh, let's imagine this. There is a thief. He steals something. He gets busted. The cops arrest him. He's like, I'm not guilty. 
They're like, bro, we got you on closed circuit television. You stole this thing right there. I know you didn't know you were being filmed, but I saw you. You stole it. He said, nope, not guilty. They bring him in front of the judge. They present the evidence to the jury, and the dude is watching it. And they're like, we know you stole it. You're definitely guilty. How do you plead? And he says, not guilty. It's obvious you're guilty. How can you plead not guilty? Because I don't feel guilty. Now, that would go over in our culture today, wouldn't it? Because we live simply in accordance to how we feel, whether it is true or not. Well, I don't need to ask for forgiveness because God knows my heart and I don't really feel guilty. I'm actually fine because I'm doing the thing, man. I'm living my best life. I'm doing me, boo-boo. You know what I mean? Like that's, we get into that space, right? And that's what happens whenever our doctrines become cozy with the culture and church is boiled down to a social opportunity. You know, the point of church is not community. Community is a byproduct of church, but it's not the point of church. The point of church is Jesus being the head and us coming to him before we go to one another. We have to remember this. We, we can't just do this whole like TED Talk thing, give you 10 points so that you're a little bit happier. We have to remind you of the reality that your sin, according to Jesus, not to me, is a debt that you cannot pay. Like there is no way that you could ever pay the debt of your sin. It's too heavy. It's too immense. It's incalculable. No, there's no way another person couldn't pay for it. Not Elon, not, not... Well, who the other people? Bezos, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg can't pay for it. Ain't nobody can carry that weight of that debt on their shoulders for you. It is only Jesus. Like if somebody said, oh, I'm going to arrest you on Friday, unless you pay me 10 grand. You might, you, you, I can come up with 10 grand. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do something. I'm going to call grandma. I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to refund my, I'm going to do something to get 10 grand. I don't want to go to jail. Well, the weight of your sin, the debt of your sin, as Jesus articulated it, because that's what he calls sin. He calls it debt, right? If you look in the scripture, the Bible calls sin a lot of things, missing the mark, pollutant. There's a lot of different adjectives that, that are in the scripture to define what debt or what sin is. But whenever Jesus wants to talk about sin, he says, it's like a debt. It's like, maybe you could rationalize. I can come up with 10 grand, but it's, it's more like somebody saying, hey, you got till Friday to come up with 100 billion. Might as well go ahead and take me now. Ain't no way I can come up with that. That is just, that's not even, it's not even an accurate illustration of how heavy sin is in regards to the debt that we owe. So who do we owe? God. That's what he says, look. If you sin, you owe me a debt. I've got to forgive you. Because if you sin and you transgress my holiness, then you're indebted to me. Who can pay that? I can't pay it. Take me now. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm completely dependent upon your forgiveness. If you don't forgive me, I'm done. In steps Jesus. Come on supernatural debt cancellation of sin. He says, look, I know that they can't pay it. They ain't never going to be able to pay it. There's nothing that they could do to ever save up the amount that would ever satisfy this debt. It's only going to be by my blood that their debt could ever be satisfied. I'm not going to ask them to work it off because I died for them when they were enemies of me. 
I'm not going to ask that we barter. I'm not going to trade anything. I'm going to do it all on my own without any of their help. And then when they realize that they are in debt to God because of the weight of their sin and transgression, I'm going to remind and reveal them, this is what Jesus has accomplished for you on your behalf. And that's what grace is. And I need that every day. I don't know about you, but I need that every single day. Because I mess up every single day. Maybe I ain't supposed to admit that, you know, being a pastor and all. Being a man of the cloth. <laughs> but you, you, know, you know why? Because I ain't him. I ain't him, and I'm messing up. And you know what? If I don't sin because of something I know I did, I sin because of things that I didn't do that I knew I should have. Right? This, this, it's called sins of omission, actually. So it's like, if you look at the Anglican prayer book, one of the things that they really hit on, I think this is important, is they say, God, forgive us for what we've done and forgive us for what we left undone. Because it's not just the things that I did wrong. It's the thing that I refuse to do right. I know you spoke to me. I know your spirit was leading me. I know I should have stopped for that person. I know I should have loved them. I know I should have, but I refused. I may have even argued with you and said, God, that's not an issue of heaven or hell. Why do I have to do that? Well, it's not about keeping you out of hell. It's about keeping you in communion. And that's why we pray the Lord's prayer and we say, hey, I'm sorry. It's not that if I don't tell the Lord I'm sorry that it nullifies my justification, but it does mean that if I've got something between me and dad, I need to make things right. I'm sorry, Lord. I care about our communion. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you, do, if you don't forgive other people, then I'm not going to forgive you. Now, that's a hard thing, right? You're like, hold on, wait. God, how could you be like that? Are you God's judge? Do you know better than he does? See, it's hilarious that we truly believe that other people offend us more than we offend God. And God said, if you don't forgive them, there's not going to be forgiveness for you. Now, I was reminded of this parable as I'm studying this. You guys will probably remember it. But do you remember that parable where the guy has, um, the guy's in a lot of debt, and uh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pull it up on the screen, but let me, just, let me just share with you so I can at least allude to it. Matthew chapter 18, verse um, 20, it, it's, it's Matthew chapter 18. And it's right, after, it's right after Peter says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? What does he, what does he say? As many as seven times? Should I forgive a dude seven times, man? He has done hurt me. He's done messed up, messed our relationship up, stolen from me, talked bad about me, gossiped against me. I'm gonna give him seven times. After seven times, going, he, you getting out of my life, bro. And what does Jesus say? No, 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 I don't say to you seven times. I'm gonna say you 77 times seven times. You know what I'm saying? What, what, was he really giving Peter a math equation to do? No, he was saying infinity. It was rhetorical, infinity times. Why is that? Because that's how forgiving I am. And so when he tells the parable, we know that there is a, a, there's a master who summons somebody who is indebted to him, and it's a huge debt. It's a huge debt. And he says, please forgive me. There's no way that I can pay it. Please pardon me. And what does the master say? You are pardoned. And then the guy goes out, and then he finds somebody who owes him less than what he owed the master, and he says, you're going to pay me. And if you don't pay me, then I'm going to lock you up in prison. You are going to be in bondage to my unforgiveness. 
and you're not getting out till you pay every, isn't that how we hold people accountable to hurting us? We put them in a prison, even if it's in our own mind, and we say, you're not getting out of here unless you start performing for me. You better do all the right things. You better say all the right things. You better fill my trust bank. Isn't that what we say? I I ain't never going to forget what you did to me. Well, he didn't say forget. He said forgive. And what, and, and what, what what is sin? Sin is a debt that is owed. So when somebody sins against you, it's like you having a receipt of the debt that they owe you in your office desk drawer. You know how culture says, oh, I keep receipts. So what you're telling me is you get revenge. I, I hear you. So like, oh, I, I keep receipts. So here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is taking the receipt that says, you owe me this. And you've done nothing to satisfy this debt. But you know what I'm going to do? Because that's what Jesus did for me. And so whenever, he, whenever the master, you know, realized, man, you're, you're practicing unforgiveness after you were forgiven for so much. That's exactly what it looks like to God for a Christian to receive forgiveness of all of their sins and then come out into the world and then harbor unforgiveness against other people. So what does he say? I'm going to put you back in there, bro. You with me? I mean, there's nothing more hypocritical than an unforgiving Christian. So you're telling me that you're going to cry out to God and God's going to forgive you, but when other people cry out to you, you're not going to forgive them. That's what you're telling me. So we must forgive other people as quickly as we expect God to forgive us. It doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you trust them explicitly. It doesn't mean you restore them back to the exact same position. But it does mean you take the debt and you throw it in the trash. You say, you don't owe me nothing. I'm not holding you hostage. You're not in bondage to me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. It don't matter. There's no debt. The debt has been paid. Jesus paid my debt. I've been forgiven. I've been washed clean. I am now free. I don't owe him anything. And you don't owe me anything. Go free. Be blessed. And then Jesus says, do this every single day. And now, I don't know about you. You may not think that you need forgiveness every day, but I'm pretty sure that I need to forgive people every day. Right? Anybody else? Am I preaching to myself? It's like, dude, because I, I get, I mean, you know, I said ETR at the beginning, easy to receive. Some people just ETO, easy to offend. You know, they, and they don't realize, man, they're just holding. They're holding all these debts. And you know what that does? Eventually it just leads to malnourishment. It leads to bondage, to weight, to, to lack of spiritual health. And you gotta, you're carrying around a, a duffel bag full of receipts. All the people that hurt me, oh, they're going to get theirs. It's coming their way soon. You reap what you sow. And you don't realize that you're trying to pray, but you're just cursing people. They're going to get theirs. I hope that they have a car wreck. Listen, if you ain't never heard Christians talk like that, I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I have. You need to take all those receipts and throw them away. Be free. So I told you this morning we were praying, uh, you know, in the office. And and as we were praying, we felt prophetically that this is what the Holy Spirit was going to do in the room today. That there was going to be some people who came in weighed down by receipts, revenge, 
unforgiveness and bitterness. And that the Holy Spirit was going to help you today pull that up off of your shoulders and let you walk out of this sanctuary so light. So let's stand. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And if, if you need to get right with the Lord, like if you know that you know that you know you've transgressed him, you know that, and, and you need to get right with the Lord, just take a moment. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. And if you need specific forgiveness, then repent specifically, right? Like, hey, I know what I did. You don't have to say anything out loud. You can just, in your heart, talk to God. He can hear you. But I, I, wa- I want to take a moment. If you, if you walked in here and you are, you, you almost feel like your soul has been diseased as a result of bitterness. Like you are holding, you came in here like a hefty bag full of unforgiveness. And you've been holding stuff against people and, it, and they, they, it's got their names on it, you know. And you're just packing that around, that weight around. I, I, I want you just, just in your heart, just determined to let go of all those receipts. Let them go. Let them go. It doesn't mean you have to forget. God is omniscient. He knows everything. From the beginning to the end, end of the beginning. He knows everything about you, everything you ever done. You know, God knows about every sin that you've ever committed. But he loves you like he's unaware of any of them. Think about that. God is aware of every sin you've ever committed, and yet he loves you like he's unaware of any of them. We're Christians. We live by forgiveness. Therefore, forgiveness and mercy should mark our lives. And so right now in Jesus' name, we just forgive and we release and we bless. And even though, you know, we're not inviting that person back into our lives, we know today that there is a weight that we've walked in here with and we need to loosen that weight and let it go. We're gonna walk out with a clean slate and just let it go. In Jesus' name, we pray. We thank you. This is the work that we must do. We, we forgive. We forgive. We plead the blood. We say mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy on me and help me to have mercy. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. You're tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.